you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS in Pasadena for a morning of multilingual readings, interactive performances, and lots of kid fun. It's Super Fun Saturday on June 1st. Get your tickets at LAS.com slash events. All right. You ready? <clears throat> for some reason, the intense humidity in Culiacán feels nice this Monday morning. It's just past dawn, and when the breeze hits his wet skin, Manuel Galindo feels an incredible rush of dopamine. It's the start of a new day, but the end of a great night with his boys. They just exited this club out of the side entrance and turned a corner from the alley to the main drag. There's a lot of construction being done along this side of the street, so it's loud, messy. There's broken gravel, large rocks really, everywhere. But none of that is as noisy or messy as Manuel and his crew. Their entrance onto the Boulevard Emiliano Zapata is a jackhammer. And yet, they aren't the ones demanding attention. On the other side of the street, there's a shiny dark red Cadillac playing some Tigres del Norte music. Some drug ballads to underscore the fact that these two men are narcos. And everyone in a one-block radius seems to be a little tense and pretending not to be. But not Manuel. This crazy engineer, fresh out of college with a sick afro and killer mustache, decides he's vibing too hard right now to be stifled by a little pressure. So he picks up a piece of sidewalk and throws it at the drug dealer's Cadillac. Then another and another until the glass is shattered. And one of the narcos puts a bullet through Manuel's throat. And that was just one of the times my dad almost died before coming to America. I'm Eric Galindo, and this is Wild. This is Wild, a show about what it's like to grow up during the pandemic. Season one, Home Forever. Yeah, do you feel like fatherhood has changed you at all? You know, it's a little early to tell. Um, but I think, so. you know, in my head, I always thought that a kid could ruin everything. That's stand-up comic Chris Garcia, and he just became a dad, which may seem like a crazy thing to do in the middle of the pandemic, but it also helped Chris realize something about his own father, Andres, a Cuban refugee who Chris often struggled to understand as a child. My dad uh, was a beautiful man. He uh, was born and raised in Cuba, and he, um, uh, in his 20s, late 20s sometime during um, the late 60s, my dad wanted to leave uh, Cuba. And so he filled out papers to leave. And uh, because of that, 
um, he was like considered a traitor by the government. So he was put in a a forced labor camp where he was for a a little over a year. And he was taken away from my mom and my sister and, you know, eventually fled to Spain and fled to the United States. Was your relationship complicated with them that way? Like, would would you guys argue a lot? You know, when you're not getting along with your parents in high school and it's like, that was the boiling point that it came to. But my dad, you know, he worked in aerospace and all those jobs went away and he was desperate to try to get a new job, but it was hard. And so computers were starting to become a thing. Like he didn't know how to use a computer or anything. And so he asked me to help him with a resume And I'm just like a 16 year old punk, you know, that like uh, creative kid. And so he has to make a resume and I don't bright paper, like probably bright blue, bright yellow, probably use like Comic Sans or I use like a crazy font, all caps. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make this in my head. I was like, I need to make it stand like stand out from the rest of the pack. And so I just made a ridiculous looking like resume. And then I remember like I had to get it printed at Kinko's. So I walked all the way to Kinko's. I walked back and I was like proud of it because I was like, hey, I did this cool thing. And he was like, what the fuck is this, man? It just looked, it looked like a ransom letter written by a clown. Like it was probably like (laughs) Gadzooks, Comic Sans, Courier New. I was just trying to be artsy with it, you know, and uh, make it look cool. And uh, my dad was so mad. And then, you know, he was probably so frustrated. He, in his mind, he was like, you're, you're trying to sabotage me. You know, you're trying, you, you hate me and you're trying to destroy my dreams. You know, you know, when you, you're not right in the head and you're all frustrated about something. And then I was like, oh yeah, well, fuck you. And then I just took it and I wiped my butt with his resume and I crumpled it up and I threw it in his face. And I was like, as soon as I did that, I was like, it was like slow motion. I was like, oh no. <laughs> My dad never beat me or anything, but he like, he held me and he was like, I have a gun. And I was like, okay, well, uh, I'll try again. Maybe I'll use Helvetica this time. Uh, Maybe 11 point font and, uh, you know, or maybe I'll use a template. I use a template and just uh, do it. I'm good, dad. (laughs) I just love that his was like, just so you know, I have a gun. I'm strapped. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not fucking around. <laughs> that that was probably the worst it ever got. Sometimes I struggle with like my own father, and because my dad's tough, you know. And it's like I noticed you're a very progressive dude. You're really open with your emotions, and that's a little hard when you're raised by like immigrant <laughs> fathers. <laughs> they don't, they don't, don't around like around. That, they don't share their feelings. <laughs> and they're mad all the time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. How were you able to sort of evolve that way? I kind of came out like that. I was a, a yorong, as you say, like a crybaby from the beginning, you know? And I even um, even went to therapy a little as a kid because I was scared of the dark. Like, I was just a sensitive kid, you know? And I think sometimes that was frustrating for my dad you know, Cuban sons are supposed to be tough. And I use the word journal as a verb, you know, <laughs> like I, I sneeze when I eat too fast. Like I do all these, I'm not like tough. Like I think as an immigrant parent, 
Your goal should be have a kid that can't change a tire. That means you did it. That means you did a good job. If your kid is sensitive and <laughs> can't do shit for themselves, that means you succeeded. Let's jump to January 30th of 2017. It's just a couple of days before Chris's dad, Andres, will turn 75. By now, Papa Andres has been living at a hospice center in L.A. for a minute. And most of the time, he's not lucid. He rarely even recognizes Chris. Unfortunately, in his late um, 60s and 70s, he actually he got Alzheimer's. And I realized through that, it made me so much closer to my family. And I realized I didn't know all that much about my dad. So I tried to learn as much as I could as possible about him. Um, but then, you know, his memory was kind of gone. But Chris still spends as much time as he can with his dad at hospice. To add to the stress during all of this time, Chris has to be funny on stage because that's how he earns a living. In fact, on this very day, Chris is scheduled to perform stand-up comedy on a hugely popular podcast that could change his life. As he's trying to mentally prepare to be funny in front of strangers, Chris gets a call he's been dreading. I got a call from my dad's hospice saying that he only had like a day or two to live. And so I went to hospice and my mom was not around and my sister was, she was out of town. And so I just spent the day with my dad being like, wow, this is it, you know? And uh, it was so sad. And I had a set that night. Hello, you beautiful angels. It's me, Phoebe Lynn Robinson. I was supposed to do on that show, Two Dope Queens um, for WNYC. And I was like about to cancel it. So I was like, it just, I was sad. And also I had, I had sold a sitcom about me and my dad. And I found out that day that it wasn't going to happen like that. <laughs> so I was like, this day sucks. Fuck this. You know, like, I don't want to do this. And then, but some, sometimes when you're a stand up, the little bat signal goes up and you're like, I got to do, I got to do this set. But I was all, I smelled hella bad. I ran home and I put on a sport coat, which like I never wear. It wasn't even a nice one. And then I ran over to the Terragram ballroom where the show was. And because it was a, it was a big podcast at the time, um, there was like celebrities there. So I walk in, I'm all frazzled. And the first person I see is John Hamm. And I'm like the handsomest guy in the world. I'm like, fuck this guy. Like, what am I doing? And like, I didn't even think about my set. Our next act that we're bringing to the stage, he's fantastic. You've heard him on This American Life. He's tearing it up, touring all over the country. Please get up for Chris Garcia! Hello, everybody. Hi. You know what? I think a lot of comics get on stage and they make fun of their immigrant parents, and I think those days are done. Um, and I just went up and I just like let out my heart. Like Trump was elected a week before that or a week or so before that. I found out my dad was about to pass. Me and his mom, Matica, that's her name. Uh, we're refugees from Cuba. In our 30s, we came to the United States. Yeah, United States. Did I, did I stutter? What's your problem? We came to the United States. A year later, we had Greece. <laughs> Our little golden boy, our second chance, our firstborn American kid. We had him. I put everything. I broke my back for this kid. I worked blue-collar jobs, graveyard shift, 
to put them in a good school? Escuela privada, private school? And I just like, I was an out-of-body experience. He goes to UC Berkeley. Yeah, one of the best public universities in the United States. And you want to know what he studied? Anybody want to take a gander? I want this motherfucker to study. He studied poetry. Are you telling me I floated through shark-infested waters on a hubcap so this motherfucker can read haikus? Give it up for Chris Garcia! A few days after this set, on February 5th of 2017, a day after his birthday... Andres Garcia, husband, father of two, man of science and dancing, passed away. He was 75 and a day. Wild will be right back after this commercial break. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com slash sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at LAS.com slash events. See you there. Now back to the show. Chris's set on Two Dope Queens wound up having a huge impact on his life. As a direct result of it, he got to do a podcast called Scattered, which is a love letter to his father. The podcast dropped in 2019 to much critical acclaim. That same year, Chris got a gig as a writer and actor on the Netflix sitcom Mr. Iglesias. And just as the second season was about to drop, the pandemic hit. And still, none of that was as big of a life change as becoming a dad. Did you always want to be a father? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I probably, I figured I probably would be, but you know, I put it off for a long time because I'm, I was so focused on um, having fun and then also pursuing stand up, which is not easy. And so I consciously was like, I can't have a kid right now. Like it's just too much. And so I waited till I felt comfortable enough to like, have a kid now, during a pandemic at the end of the world. In the winter of 2021, Chris's wife Valerie went into labor. It was almost four years to the date of his dad Andres's birthday and the anniversary of Andres's death. All of this felt like much more than a coincidence. So midnight strikes and she's going into labor. So 
I'm like, holy shit, this is like biblical. Like it's my dad's birthday is the fourth. Uh, He died on the fifth. And then the morning of the sixth, as the sun was coming up, my daughter was being born. I'm like, this is incredible. And, you know, as the sun was rising in the next day, she was being born. And so we named her Sunny. Yo, yo, yo. We appreciate you rocking with our host, Eric G, and our guest, Chris Garcia. We appreciate the love, and it's that time again. New segment debut. Today, we have Pandemic Daddy Diaries Volume 1. I am DJ Willie Wildways, and I ain't playing games. Without further ado, I give you the triple A's. My name is Angel Barraza. My son Adrian was born on April 20th. Cue all of the 420 jokes. And sitting right next to me, he's he's sleeping, but he's making those little noises like he's thinking about it. <laughs> the first few nights, we felt blessed. He would just knock out for two, three hours at a time. But the past the past three nights, I'd say, he doesn't want to sleep. He's, he's become a full-on night owl. <laughs> My name is Aaron Delgado, and I had a daughter back in December 2020. Her name is Amada Delgado. She was born on December 18th. I was not allowed to go to any of the checkups, none of them. I heard her heartbeat for the first time through a video that my wife sent me, you know, um, instead of being there in the room. You know, so I missed out on that, but it is what it is. You know, she's she's healthy, she's, she's great. She's causing a ruckus behind me, and, and it all is well. My name's Andrew Cohen. Uh, my son, Chase Cohen, was born in November 2020. I said it was a good thing and it was a bad thing. Um, you know, I live in a, a smaller apartment, two-bedroom apartment. And when I moved in here, it felt like so much space. And I never knew how a lot of babies could be. That sound can wake you up instantly. So it's, and, and starting to understand too, is he just a little fuzzy or is that straight up like, no, he wants to eat, it's starting to come to me. It was tough, like wanting to celebrate. And then at that point, no hugs, none of that. The normal things that you would do with your parents when you tell them, hey, I'm having a kid. You know, you could see the excitement in their face. We were excited, but there wasn't any like physical contact. It was really, really, really hard because you feel like you're drowning constantly, whether changing every diaper or tending to him for every nap, like it complicates it. And it's, you know, you need to practice not getting like resentful in those moments and just trying to stay balanced and realize that everybody's kind of going through something like this. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's feeding time, so that's what I cannot help. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure you can hear him in the background. Getting a little fussy. The moment my daughter was born, what I tell people, there's a, a section of your soul, your conscience. Yeah, exactly. It's a learning experience like everything else. He is a wonderful kid. And he knows how to flirt. Every time he goes to the doctor or sees anybody, he's all smiles and giggles and he's glowing. But you know, every now and then he can be a bit of a jerk. But he's a good kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. That was the Triple A's by Aaron, Andrew, and Angel. That was the Pandemic Daddy Diaries, Volume 1. This is wild. Let's get back into the show with your host, Eric G., and our guest, Chris Garcia. 
Is it weird trying to raise her in a pandemic? Does that come into your mind? I'm just kicking it with this little girl and it has made our world smaller. I found it quite comforting. Like, I think what we're learning from this whole experience is that we're a lot more resilient than um, than we think, that we're capable of doing a lot, you know? And that's one thing I learned from my dad and Scattered is that that fool is so resilient, you know? And I I have that in me too. Like, we, we come from that. Any immigrant's kid comes from that, you know, any generation. So we're tougher than we think. And, you know, hopefully we can do it with joy and then make space for ourselves to heal through these traumatic times at the same time. But I think the difficult thing of having a parent with Alzheimer's is that, is that the last 10 years of his life, his he wasn't his own self. Like, he was losing his mind, you know? So I didn't really get to have those adult conversations that uh adult has with their adult parent. So I couldn't really be like, Papi, I'm so sorry, dude. I didn't know like that resume thing. Do you remember that? And he's like, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you know, of course he would remember it, but I didn't really get to have those conversations, which was tough. But luckily through like talking to my family and therapy and stuff, I've, I do feel like it's been done. Like it's been settled, you know learning all this stuff about my dad and making good on his promise and taking him to Cuba and scattering him with my mom and his sister, who was his best friend. You know, it was incredible. He took him like all the way home. Yeah. And when I was like, cause I, you know, in the back of my head when we were there, I was like, why if my dad was in a work camp, may have been tortured, all this stuff was in Cuba, why would he... Why would he want us to come here if he never wanted to be there when he was alive? And then we were out on the boat and I saw my mom and I saw my tia, his sister and my sister. We're all in that boat in the beautiful waters. It hit me that, oh, my dad's here on his own terms. No one could fuck with ashes in the water. Like he's he's like free and there at the same time. And it was like just textbook my dad just being so smart and figuring out a way to survive, you know? And so he got to have his wish to be in, in Cuba and be free uh, in this beautiful place that we found and in, in peace, you know? Goodest Grief is a Red Rose, inspired by Angel Nafisa's poem, Gazal for Becoming Your Own Country. Since birth, I've filled my grief with my father's shadow. It's molded me into the emptiness of adulthood where I can't recognize a life apart. To call on grief by its name is to face the unknown half of myself, a tenderness quivering inside the tomb of my body that howls at the moon. She echoes... Silence. I want to scream, but stop in my throat thinking about the photo albums we could have pieced together. The unlocked character I never uncovered, but will always revel in all its mystery. How nostalgia does not exist to hold me when I need it most. How I will never know your face. The lineage tied to your last name or a third language to teach my children. Someday, they will gather around my bed. Listen to broken details about you and the stories that began in spite of you. They will wonder how the silhouette of a parent could shape a child. And I will tell them you were the dirt 
who bloomed me into a bed of red roses where I built their loving, protective home. My wife and I had our first kid, first time I'm a dad. And last night, I was like teary. I was like putting her to bed. It was the late, it was like around midnight. And I was just like, it was like my dad was with me. And I was like, I don't know. You know, those moments where you have a connection with someone that may not be there anymore. Like in this case, it was my dad. And I just felt like his spirit. And I was just like, it's your, it's your granddaughter, you know, I'm tearing up. That's, that's how I do it, you know? Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I, so I still, I was like trying to introduce her to him and. Yeah. Do you feel like fatherhood has changed you at all? You know, in my head, I always thought that, that I would resent a kid because getting in the way of my fun or my dreams and all this stuff. But I think it's, as soon as I held her or even last night, even you know, she was, she cried for like two hours. She wouldn't go to bed and it's, and I didn't feel like it was taking anything away. It just felt like it gave me, um, more of a purpose in life, more of a reason. I was like, Oh, I have this thing that I made with the love of my life. And I'm so excited to, share this life with her and give her a beautiful life. It wasn't like, oh man, I got to change this diaper again. Which is definitely a thing. (laughs) But I think already it's given me more patience and more depth. And I think it's made me realize that I'm capable of more than I thought I was. And I think one thing that we forget, all of us individually, is how resilient we all are. It's easy to forget it, especially in the midst of a pandemic or having a baby or everything else that's going on in this country right now. But um, I know that we've overcome things before, a whole lifetime of things before, and that we can continue to. That's beautiful, man. I, I, man. Don't have a kid, though. Don't have a, it'll fuck everything up. <laughs> 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 You know what's wild? My dad was born with red hair. At least that's the rumor. When I was a kid, my father didn't talk much about his life back in Mexico. He worked a lot and was always focused on our future. Don't get me wrong, he had a good time. He loved bumping oldies and rancheras. At parties, he danced cumbia and salsa while dressed like Frank Sinatra. He was so dope and such a giant to me. Not just to me. My brothers, my sisters, my cousins, we all worshipped him. Then one day, my father's appendix burst. And for the first time to us kids, he seemed human. While he was in the hospital, my tia Ramona, the original storyteller on my dad's side of the family, sat us kids down and started telling us stories about my dad. The adventures he busted, the things he overcame. Legends, man. Like how he got shot by nauticals and lived. How his promising boxing career ended with him in the ICU. And the craziest story was that he was born a redheaded Mexican like me, two of my brothers, and several of our cousins. But one summer, at his grandma's ranch, he caught smallpox, which was still a thing in 1950s rural Mexico. 
My dad's smallpox started on his head, and his grandma acted quickly to stop the spread. She used some sort of topical medicine used to treat cows for pox on the ranch. The medicine worked, but it also knocked out all of his hair. And when my dad's hair eventually grew back, it came out black. I don't know how much of all the legends are true, but I know when he came home from that appendix emergency, my dad had a brand new scar. Me and the rest of the kids traced our fingers on it, and then along the other scars, the one above his eye that may have come from a boxing glove, the roundish one on his throat from the bullet. It kind of looks like the scar from the smallpox vaccine that he has on his arm. And those are only some of the stories I still tell his grandkids. Highlights. Had my morning cup of coffee, checked in on work, and answered a few emails. Put together a delicious carnita sandwich with avocado and salsa. All snuggled together in a soft bowl of bread. Top that snack off with the sweet bread and half a cup of coffee. This week, I got a box of snacks sent to me from a guy named Super Snack Supreme uh, from a contest that I won on Instagram. It was amazing. I uh, got to share it with my family. There was lots of cookies and chips from all around the world. I love getting mail, especially from different places. It was definitely a highlight this week. I'm finally going to take a break from work. I think I drank too much coffee again, um, as I do every day these days. And I'm pretty excited because my wife made a uh, butternut squash soup with coconut milk and a hatch chile cornbread from scratch. So I'm pretty excited to eat that. And a lot of people wear Crocs at school, even though they're supposed to wear shoes. I thought it was only gonna last like two weeks to a month, maybe. I never imagined it a whole year. I thought I was gonna go into my freshman year of high school in person. But that last part of high school, where I'm supposed to be like enjoying my years, going to prom, doing senior stuff, like going out, having fun in the summer, in the sun, whatever, like that's gone. Those were sons, daughters, nieces, nephews, sisters, brothers, the kids. And they have all had to adjust to going to school and trying to make friends from home. That's on the next episode of Wild. This episode of Wild was written and produced by Eric Galindo, Shaka Mali, Megan Tan, and me, Marina Pena. It was sound designed by Lushik Baba and mixed and engineered by Eduardo Perez. Megan Tan is our senior producer. Our producers are Victoria Alejandro and Lushik Waba. Marina Pena is our associate producer and fact checker. Shaka Mali is an associate producer at large and our announcer. Eric Galindo is our host and editor. Jessica Pilot is our talent producer. Our executive producers are Antonia Cerejido and Leo G. Thanks to Poet Astrid and to our special guest appearances by Erwin Recinos, Gab Chabran, and Javier Cabral. Shout out to Marissa Klug Marataya for shooting our album art and Steve Rosa for the assist. The theme song is I Got Everything by Miss 007. Our website, lastudios.com, is designed by Andy Cheapwood and the digital and marketing teams at LA Studios. 
the marketing team of LAS Studios created our branding. Special thanks to the team at LAS Studios, including Taylor Kaufman, Day Kim, Kristen Hayford, Kristen Muller, and Leo G. Wild is a production of LAS Studios. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. I nailed it, I think. This is Eric G. I'll catch you next time. Alliance has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite LA restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAS.com events.